Brands and Brews. There we go. <laughs> this is the Brands and Brews Marketing Podcast, where we uh, talk about marketing all while drinking beer. Um, I have a guest today. It's her name is her name is Kristen Fodder, Foster. I already messed up your name. Kristen Foster. I'm so happy we have finally have a female guest on the pod. Look how diverse we are. Um, Look at we that. are getting there. I know. I'm so stoked <laughs> that you're on. Um, so I'll do a, a proper introduction here in a minute. But first, let's give the people what they want. And what they want is to know what we're drinking. Kristen, can you tell the people what you are drinking? Um, today, I am drinking Bat Squatch from Rogue Brewing. Um, it's an hazy IPA, and it's a part of their Monster series, which... You know me. If it has anything to do with monsters or horror, I've already bought it. Like, <laughs> and that's one of the things. Like, Jesse, are you? Since this is brand and brew, are you like brand loyal to a certain beer? Um, we we've we are like um my co-host and I, Kirill, who's not here today, but uh we we have like um the way we kind of explain it is like we have beers that we grew up with, right? So like for me. It was Coors Light. Like, uh, I was drinking that when I was, like, three. No. Uh, <laughs> we associated, like, what our family was drinking. Like, my dad drank Coors. So, I became, like, a Coors guy. And then, you know, the beer wave happened, and, and now I drink breweries. But, like, if I'm just going to sit down, if I had to choose one beer that I'm going to like for the rest of my life, it's probably going to be Coors Light. And there's going to be so many people that are listening to this podcast going, what the fuck, Jesse? I thought this was a Bruce show. You drink Coors Light, what the hell? But the point is, it's a brand that I was associated with my entire life. So we kind of have that history. Um, we drink uh, a lot of Colorado beers uh, just because we're in Colorado. Um, so Rogue, I think you could pretty much get Rogue anywhere in the U.S. I would I imagine think you at this can. point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had it everywhere. I've probably or at least seen it. Like, like a Dead Guy Ale is like mm, one of my favorite beers, no matter what, right? So Rogue is based. Uh, is it, it's on the Oregon coast, but is it, um, it's Newport, Newport. Thank you. Yes. Newport. Right. That's right. Um, the, uh, the pub is, they still have that brewery in Portland, that little, uh, I can't remember what street it was off of. Um, yeah, it's on the it east side. On the east side. Yeah. I remember yeah. I used to go there all the time when I lived in Portland. Um, uh, great place, great food. Um, yeah. Did you know that every, Every brewery, like Rogue Brewery, there's a picture of an old naked lady in a bathtub, and her name is Mo. And it's it's a thing that they have to do in Rogue Brewing. And there's like a whole backstory about it because Mo, who was a part of like Mo's Clam Chowder, which is really popular here on the West right. Coast, um, right. she actually rented out her um her garage to the guy who started Rogue, and she said, "All I ask is that you give jobs back to the community," and so. That's like a picture of her. I don't know why he put, chose a picture of her in a tub, but she's like an older lady in a tub and her name is Mo. And you can huh. find the same picture in every like rogue brain. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to look for it next time I'm there. I'm going to have to definitely look for that. Yeah. Um, rogue also does like, they also have a, a distillery too. Like, right. Don't they like do whiskey yeah, and stuff? They won some awards for like the Rolling Thunder whiskey. Yeah. 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 That's, um, anyway, great beer. Um, Awesome choice to to start here. Uh, I'm drinking 
Um, uh, it's a San, Santa Fe Brewing Company. Okay, that's the brewing company. 7K IPA. And I imagine because it's in Santa Fe. There it is right there. Look up higher. No higher. Hi there. We're up here in Santa Fe. 7,198 feet above sea field level. So, yes, I, I knew Santa Fe was high. So, um, it's a West Coast style IPA. It's pretty good. All right. Yeah, I, uh, I've been wanting to, uh, I've seen this in the stores a lot, so I finally got it, and this is the first time I've had it, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, that's about our beers. Let's move on. Uh, so, Kristen, uh, how long have we known each other, Kristen? Is it? Like, almost two and a half years, honestly. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, Kristen and I actually worked together, and actually, I hired Kristen um, before COVID, like right yep. before it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, funny story. Um, I remember, uh, I don't think I'll ever forget this. Um, you were like, one of your pitches of like why you want to move on was like, you wanted to work in an office. You were tired of I working did. remote. And we're like, great, we have an office, you know, because you just moved to Bend, Oregon. We had an office in Bend. And like you were, you didn't really know anybody. You wanted to like get out and mingle, some, meet some people and stuff like that. So you were stoked to move in an office. <laughs> And then literally the day you started was like the shutdown. <laughs> and yeah. it was the first Monday of that shutdown. And I think maybe you went into the office to get your laptop maybe for. I what? went to the office and Irene handed me my laptop and told me to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then she never worked at the office ever. No, no. And I never went back to the office. I don't even think. It was like really soon after that, we like broke the lease and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it just all happened. I was like, I remember telling um, uh, leadership, I was like, look, uh, in HR, I was like, look, you know, we, ha- this, I hired this person. We, we, we had a, we had a, you were a hard bargain. So like I had to get more money approved to, to get you to sign, but you of went course. over my budget. Of course. I love <laughs> of course it. I do. It, yeah, so she worked me, which is great, and I would love to talk about that. That I think there's a, a spot we could fit that in this podcast for sure. And uh, so, uh, and I was like, I was so concerned that we were going to lose you because of of that reason. I'm like, look, I mean, I mean, what can we can we really take care of this person? I don't know what that meant, like, but can you can we give her some extra attention or something? Because like uh, she was expecting to be in an office, and. Uh, now she's home. Now she's home. So I just remember like being worried about that, but <laughs> you stuck around. Look at I you. I stuck around. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what really helped though was, um, you know, NetHealth had those uh, like uh, employee resource groups. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like um, NetHealth Women in Technology and yeah. stuff like that, that I was able to branch out, even though it wasn't people that I like lived with or in the, my town, mm-hmm. it was still kept me connected to a Right. And I didn't feel so often like my own land. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I, uh, I quickly picked up like, um, I think one thing that company did really well is it had a lot of, um, digital groups to, to join and to now for me, it's not really my style. So, uh, it's kind of a nightmare situation for me because I just don't want to do more digital meetings than I have to. Um, and, and even though if it's like for some sort of different cause, it's supposed to be outside of work or whatever it is to me, I'm still on a zoom call and doing it, but look, 
what the hell am I talking about? I'm doing a podcast and we're doing a digital and I'm doing it for fun. <laughs> I got I to I rethink about myself. But anyway, um, it was just something that was associated to work and I was like, ah, I don't know. But, but you, you were like, no, I'm all over that shit. So uh, is there a reason why, what is that about you that, I don't know, looks for those type of associate, associated groups? Um, I want to just blame it on the fact that I'm a millennial and that's how I had to communicate almost all my life. Um, mm. No, it's that. And it's just, um, it became really, okay. So uh, when you and I first started talking, I had just moved to Bend and I didn't really know a lot about Bend. And then once I really got, you know, uh, comfortable with Bend, I didn't notice how small it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice how like, you know what I mean? And so um, it was a lot easier for me to get go on to these like um, you know, social groups or um, online stuff and um, doing a lot of stuff with like the Idaho Horror Film Festival. When you're working with film people, like there's no way that they're going to come to Idaho to like do an interview with me. So I had to like get used to mm-hmm. interviewing people and talking to them like on camera. Yeah, yeah, that's I could tell that was a strength of yours right off the bat. And then um, one thing about you too is like, you're definitely very active. I mean, you just mentioned the, the, the Idaho, is the Idaho Horror Film Festival? Is that what it is? I'm, is that yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Perfect. So love to talk <laughs> about that. And then, um, um, and then you also are involved in like some women's career groups, right? Do you want to, yes. why don't we start with the Horror, horror Festival? Cause that's what I want to talk about. <laughs> then let's talk about the women's groups. Yeah. So um, it's really fun. The Idaho Horror Film Festival is actually fully woman run festival in Idaho. Um, Bam. Bam. Ah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so it started in um, 2014 and uh, we've gotten um, some really great things going on that we're not just trying to help um, people in Idaho uh, follow their career goals because there's a lot of like art colleges in Idaho, but there's no film commission. So even if you wanted to be an artist, you wouldn't be getting money from the state or anything. Um, But it was also helping like women break into film, which is like hard. I think almost like it's almost as hard as like marketing or like software, you know, to get into film if you're female. Wow. Wow. Um, I have so many questions. Um, Do you, what's, what's top, what's, I'm a, I'm going to hold my, bite my lip, but let's talk about some of these women groups that you're in and and why you feel like you're need to be part of them or what's, what's, what pulls you into them? Yeah. Um, so I have a degree in advertising and public relations and I started out, um, working for this radio station that, um, had like ESP and Boise and I was a copywriter and I hated it. Um. And then I actually moved to the agency world. And um, when I was in the agency, I was, there was only me and one other female working at the agency. Hmm. And this was a uh, web development agency. So we were building like websites and stuff like that. Um, so that was really hard. Um, and then talking to my friends, they really didn't have any idea about what I did. Cause you know, some of them were like, you know, dentists or whatnot. So then when I actually moved to um, Portland, Oregon, I started working for a um, a software company that had 50 people in it, and I was the only female. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so then I was, like, trying to look for, like, people who, uh, you know, had the same, you know, background as me or, like, could, yeah, I could have a beer, you know, bitch at them about, you know, 
what was happening. Like, you know, my programmers suck or whatever is happening. Or um, So then I found this PDX Women in Technology. And um, it's just this group here in Portland um, that it's just women in technology that uh, get together and we have like guest speakers and we do free workshops and we do like free outreach and including um, the workshops on like resume building interview, like um, help anything like that networking. We let recruiters come in and do some pitches to like women who are in the technology about open positions they have. Um, which was really funny because like I told you, I was working at that company that I was the only female and I actually went and did a, um, a talk for women in technology. And it was about, um, you know, your personal brand and how today, whenever you, um, go to apply for a job more or not, the recruiter is going to Google you and you need to know what Google's going to say about you or what pictures pop up and stuff like that. So I was using my marketing skills to like explain to these ladies that, you know, recruiting and looking for jobs now is so online and they can see everything. Like they can see that weird Facebook post. They can see that picture of you taking a bong rip. They can like everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like clean it up a little bit before you start like your real career search. Um, And they, they shared like a little bit of my background and they shared the company name and stuff like that. So this was a Friday. And when I came into work on Monday, it was a small company. There was only 50 of us. So I knew who the you know co-owner slash CEO was. And I got called into HR and they were like, girl, we have all of these women hitting us up being like, why do you only have one woman working at the company? And why is she at the bottom of the page at the about us? And like just slammed with emails, which I get what like my fellow women in technology were trying to do, but oh my God, it made work on Mondays so embarrassing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but overall it's a good thing though, right? I mean, or at least yeah. it brings attention to a situation. It Maybe. does. Yeah. And then it opened up a conversation too, because um, I don't think that any of these guys like realize what it's like to be like one in 50. And so it started the conversation too about, you know, what can we do to make, our company look more attractive to female tech workers. That's yeah. so interesting. I and I have to admit, like I'm a little, um, I don't know. I would say ignorant. I I know that's probably not always a positive word to say, but like being a, a white male, I I I probably don't see these type of things. I definitely could see it, like um, in software, because uh, we worked in a software company. It's very obvious that. who the software engineers are they all look exactly the same and they're males (laughs) right um and and i think that's very fair i've so i've seen that but i've i've i don't know just from my marketing experience i've 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 seen like a very equal everywhere i've worked and actually i've even worked in one area um a place in denver i worked for uh only for about a year but it was is our clients were like retail I don't know if that had something to deal with it or not, but it was like 90% women and we had about 200 employees. And uh, so that was, that was the only one that was like really out of balance. And I don't know, that was, that could be just a completely rare situation or whatever. Um, but I've always seen for me though, it's like, it's been, I don't know, pretty close. I don't know if it's been 50, 50 or, or what, but I would say it's, it's been, an, it hasn't been enough where I've seen, something obvious like there's a lot more males than females but but um i don't know about leadership 
and if within those companies we're talking about leadership and if i could think of like c-suite and c-levels like of the of the stuff that's outside of my realm a little bit that's above me or whatever then i could start seeing okay there's a a bias on 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 the the what sex <laughs> organs you have um i don't know your gender your gender <laughs> So, so my, I guess my question to you is, I'm, tr- I'm fumbling through this, but my question to you would be like, do you see like um, within, I can see technology as a whole, and if you put marketing in there, I get it, but would you say within like marketing um, in that world, is it challenging to be a female to, to join that industry? I think, I don't know if it's actually just to marketing, but I think like uh, for women in general, only because um, mm-hmm. like. All, at the beginning of my career, I was told, you know, keep your head down, do your time, and you'll get rewarded. And then I watched everyone around me, like, not do that and get rewarded. So I was like, no, no more. Like, um, and it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, like, you can't put a brush stroke on every woman, just like you can't put a brush stroke on every man. But like, we tend to not raise our hands. We tend to not, you know, negotiate, I guess, as strongly as other people do, unless you're me. And then you strong arm Jesse into giving you $10,000 more than you were supposed to. Yes. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I do, um, no. And I do, I do see that, you know, the higher up you go on marketing, especially like marketing teams, because that's what I've spent like the last 10 years doing. Um, the higher up you go, it feels like it's uh, a little bit more scarce that there's women at the top. Right. Um, but you also have to think of like the average C like, CMO is like two years. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Yeah. It's it's um, <laughs> it's definitely uh, definitely an interesting subject. Yeah, and and I can see that too. Like if if you feel like you're very, um, you're not the type of person that puts their head down and and keeps their mouth shut. You're very outspoken. And and I I was like when I met you, I was like, yeah, this is exact. I was what I was looking for is someone who. Uh, was going to um, manage our, um, we we're running in an agency and uh, I was basically tired of, of <laughs> dealing with customers. And, and I, I, you know, we had account managers that were supposed to do that, but they were getting pushed over by a lot from our clients. So I wanted someone to come in and manage the whole thing, keep our, our, our employees in check. But not only that, just keep it, change the culture of like who's in charge of these marketing campaigns. And when I met you, I was like, she's got that. She's got it. I know I feel confident that she's going to do that because we're running, I'm having these interviews and she's running the interview. So, so you actually have that strength, but I don't know if that's something that you have to have to be successful in marketing, right. Or to at least go up and, 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 uh, up the ladder or corporate ladder. No, but at the same time, like if, if you're not blowing your horn, no one else really is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so you still have to be your own advocate and you still have to be comfortable with saying, you know, raising your hand, saying, I'll do it. I'll take on this stretch goal. I'll do whatever. I'll put myself out there. Right. Right. Um, A little bit of that too. Any, is there any specific obstacles that you can see? And maybe it could be for you or just any other women that you could see just maybe we don't have to say just marketing, but maybe in, in technology as well um, in that world where it could be an obstacle that prevents them from either getting a job or getting promoted with a job, either or. 
Anything stick out to I you? I like to think I like to think that a lot of the obstacles that we see nowadays, um, because of the pandemic, surprise we're in a pandemic, that like everything's remote, that I feel like it kind of takes away some of those barriers. You know what I mean? Because like, okay, I'm not married and I don't have kids and that's the um, you know, lifestyle that I chose, but like you know that there's, you know, people who are in management tend to have like, you know, a family, they're a little bit older, they have, you know, um, responsibilities outside of what I would have. But um, I see those as sometimes obstacles where people don't like, well, I have to take care of the kids because when the kid is at school and the kid gets sick, it calls mom, right? Right. When your kid gets hurt, the kid comes to mom. When, you know, Billy hits Susie, screams mom, you know? So now it's like, do I really want to take on this higher position that they're going to ask more time of me if I'm the one that has to be picking up the phone on the school calls? Very interesting. I never even thought of that. Look at you. <laughs> and it totally makes sense. I'm like, I'm like thinking of every, all my, all everyone that's like a, a manager in my company now. And then I'm like my last few jobs. I'm like, she's got a freaking point here. Um, yeah, that's very, very interesting. Um, huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, but, would you say not having a family or choosing not to go in that direction, would that prevent you from working your way up or you just feel like you're always available right now? I think that like, there's a little bit of bias too, because I remember um, I've had a lot of inappropriate like interviews for companies. Mm. And when I say that, I mean that like I had one um, interview I was doing and they asked me like, Oh, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your family. And, you know, I was telling them like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Uh, this is what I plan on doing with my life. And they were like, Oh, so do you plan on having kids soon? Will you be taking time off for that? And I'm like, Girl, what did you wow. just say? Like, yeah. So I know like there's, you're not supposed to like they're by law. I don't think they can ask you if you're married or ask you if you have kids, but like, there's still some like, questions that'll get you and they'll make those kind of judgments of like if we hire Kristen is she going to start having kids mm -hmm. you know is she going to start and I just don't want to deal with like if someone wants to ask me those questions I'm like it's none of your business right because I separate work and personal life so no right well good for you I mean yeah I mean yeah. Uh, that's totally that's an unfair question too and, and I can see too like I don't possibly if I was asked that question, right? And even though it's still inappropriate for me, but um, would it, is it that important if I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to have like 12 kids. I plan to have it in the next 12 <laughs> years. <laughs> I'm not the one the getting pregnant. The for the next 12 years. <laughs> yeah, right? So, but I'm just saying like, I, I could be treated different than if that was, you're going to be your answer, right? If we're yeah. um, applying for the same job, possibly. Um but regardless, I guess in that example, it's an unfair question. But still, like you said, there's ways to not ask that question directly, but kind of get within the realm of what the answer you're looking for if you're the interviewer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's very interesting. <laughs> Here's another interesting concept, right? Like, um, uh, is it fair to say... Um, this is just from my own experience, and I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I'm going to try. Uh, is it fair to say that most HR people are women? I feel like a majority of my HR people have been women. I, I can't even think of and, and it goes always from like leadership all the way down for me. Um, and that's been my general experience. 
And um, it's just funny that, I, and I know that like HR people aren't always ones, it's usually the managers people are making the hiring decisions, but the HR people are supposed to be part of that managing that process, right? Um, it's just interesting to me that if that's the case and assuming it is that, um, um, you know, we have some of these issues with male and female in, in certain areas. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's over my head. I think with, well, as I say, I think with like HR, you kind of have to have a lot of empathy. And I just think that women totally gra- like gravitate towards that. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not saying that guys don't have feelings. I'm just, you know. I'm super sensitive, but no, that's <laughs> no, that's, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just being um, observant, I guess. And, and, and I'm not really sure one way or the other, what, what's true or not. That's definitely not something I've studied on, but um, it is kind of interesting. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully one day it could all be fair, but it's like, how, how can that happen? Right. Um, yeah. Especially like, um, like every company is, to me, like the best fairness is in being a manager is like, I'm going to f- hire the best person for the job. I don't care what skin color they are, what their sex <laughs> is or whatever. Like, because I'm hiring this person, if they do well, I'm going to look good. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so if I'm, if I'm restricted to rules, like, okay, you can only hire this sex and this race for us to be fair and be like, well, you're putting my job my performance in jeopardy, assuming I'm not going to get the best person, right? Or I could, um, if I'm if that person or that biased person is is the best person, that's no big deal. But I mean, you're to kind of shorten that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I don't I don't want to get run out of town by saying this, but I will. I don't want to be invited to the table because of my gender. I want to be invited to the table because of what I can do, my talent, my, you know, um, persistence, my whatever. Um, And so I do understand that there's the concept that they're saying, well, we need to make people um, feel like, understand to feel normal if a woman is invited to the table. So we have to start inviting them to the table. But I'm like, I still don't want to be your like diversity hire. Right. I don't. I want to like be hired on what I like to do. If you fit my needs, for my career and if I fit your needs for your department, your business, whatever. Right. Amen yeah. to that. Amen to that. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I hope that's how a majority of people would feel too. Right. Um, yeah. We'll see. But I, I totally get why companies are under pressure to, to do certain things. It just, I'm not sure if it always makes sense. If you're just the, you know, if you're trying to hire the best people for the job, that should be, pretty straightforward, you know? Yeah. So, all right, let's move to agency life because you've worked in agencies. Um, I talk a lot about agencies because I have an agency background, of course, and um, I figure, and it's always fun to talk about agencies, the good and the bad, sometimes the ugly. Um, What is your overall experience, positive or negative or both, uh, from working in agencies for you? I like to describe agencies like like Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome, but like I get to be Tina Turner minus the really bad boob job. Like <laughs> I'm in charge when I'm in the agency, you know what I mean? I'm the Tina Turner and I'm just putting people into the like Thunderdome. Um, and I mean that because like, you know, you have your, um, if you're doing 
marketing, you have your account managers and you have your support and then you have your customers. And I swear that I can say like, customers could say that they're like, oh, I know a lot about marketing. Oh, I know a lot about this. And I'm like, then why are you hiring an agency? Mm. Um, and then they always want to question you on like, you know, and get a gotcha on you. And so um, to me, that's kind of how I, how I think about, you know, agency life. It's not really good or bad. It's just, it's something that when you jump into, if you don't know marketing and you jump into agency life, you're going to learn fast mm -hmm. or you're going to die in the Thunderdome. Right, right. Um, when we worked together, um, you know, we worked in a specific type of market and I would think it's safe to say that a most, a majority of like our, um, customers or at least our main contacts and decision makers and so and buyers and so forth were, um, uh, the owners of the company in this circumstance, they were going back to the sex male, right? <laughs> um, and did they, tr would you think they would treat you differently at times because you're a female? Is there any weird dynamics there? There was, there was one I can think of in like particular, um, it was a, a website that was being built and a customer was upset. And so, you know, anything that happens bubbles up from the account managers and from, you know, our marketing team, like once it gets to me, like the only way it can get past me is if something is on fire. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like I jump on the calls with them. And um, I remember talking to the customer and they were talking about, um, you know, your sales, your sales guy told me that this would be up in 30 days. And I was like, well, that all depends on the access that you give her like our team that depends on how fast you can fill out the forms that depends on like you, you accepting or editing any of the stuff. And he was like, well, I need to talk to the manager. And I was like, okay, I'm, you know, the manager of this department. And I was like, there is no one above me. And he's like, no, I need to talk to the manager. And I was like, there's literally no one above me. <laughs> and so, oh my God. And then I think like, and then he sent me that horrible email that I think I forwarded to you and I was like, look at this WTF. I was like going to throw my computer across the room. But yeah. What do we, what, do you remember what we end up doing with that account? What's, uh, I'm just curious. Did we, uh, did he stay with us or anything? He stayed with us. Um, and I had like weekly calls with him where he just like tried to like claw me up. And then I was just like, I understand how you feel, but unfortunately you being told 30 days is a little bit of a stretch. And I'm sorry that the sales team told you that. And you really need to work with the developers to finish this project. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a little bit too about, you know, in agency life, you can tell a customer something and they'll nod their head and they'll say, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Like when we talk about SEO and they're like, yeah, I get it. And then they'll come back the next week and they'll be like, I put up a blog. How come I'm not rich? And you're like, because that's not how branding works. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember before you started, we had a, um, uh, one of our main account managers was 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 uh, female, of course. And then um, I remember uh she got ripped by this uh, guy and it was, I mean, very, it was wow. Abusive. And uh, I, I called him and I, I said, we are not going to work. Well, we'll give you your money back. You do not talk about our team that way. And um, this is completely unprofessional. He was super nice to me. 
And I was just, that even made me more angry because I wanted, I was looking for a fight because I was so <laughs> mad. I actually read what he said to her, like, like he bitched her out and then he f- set up a follow-up email. So I had it like proof right there. So I knew exactly, I knew at least half of what he said to her because um, I could read it. And I was just waiting for a fight. You know, because he was so nice to me, I was like, you asshole, you, you, you saw weakness and you took it out on her, and now you're being totally submissive to me. Like, I was so mad about that. And anyway, he, we, you know, you know, left, and he totally was understanding and apologetic, whatever. And I was like, great, I'm never talking to you again. Two years later, he came back begging us to, work, to, to um, take his business. And, and I was just like, and hell no, we are not working with you. <laughs> no. No freaking way. And man, we needed revenue so bad at that time too. Like it was, I think it was right at the beginning of COVID. I think this was right around, um, maybe right when you started, I believe. Um, but I just remember we needed revenue at that point. And, uh, I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no flipping way. And, um, but I just remember that pissing me off so much. Just the fact that, you know, maybe because I'm a manager, but I, I, I assume because I was a male and he completely was super nice to me. And I'll just, I don't think I'll ever forget that. It really like shines some light on me of like, um, maybe really think of, even though I, I was an account manager once I said how I started my marketing career, but really like made me understand of our main account manager, what the pressure she was, could she, she was being put through at times and yeah. uh yeah it, it's just a tough job it's a real tough job um great well uh let's see here um what's your uh, can you t- you're an endurance athlete why yeah and and how does this help <laughs> you with your career <laughs> <laughs> yeah a uh, little bit of masochistic like long distance running is my jam mm-hmm. um No. And I think that like anyone who does cycling or anyone who does like distance running, uh, we all have one thing in common and it's not that we hate ourselves. It's that we have patience and that we're persistent because you can't go up 3000 feet elevation without having patience and being persistent. Um, and so there's just a little bit of that and like being comfortable, being uncomfortable, Yeah. like, that's something too. And not just being uncomfortable, like, oh my God, my hips hurt and my legs hurt. But it's, uh, if you have any, um, any skeletons in your closet, when you're a distance runner, you're having dinner with them when you do your long runs. (laughs) That's a good point. That's super true. (laughs) So you have to be like, you know, um, you have to be ready to just like hash some things out and feel comfortable being uncomfortable and, um, especially when you do like, uh, you know, ultra marathons, people question you all the time. Like you're crazy. Why are you doing this? Do you know how much it hurts your knees? And you're like, I think I could do my own research. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, uh, when I, the, the year we met, like I was training for my first and at least only marathon, I'm sure I'll do another one again, but train for a marathon. And, um, and I just remember that with like I'm an athlete. I work out every day. I just worked out right before this podcast, and I'm but more sprinting and more explosive. I do a lot of weightlifting and stuff. And um, but I just remember there was something different about training for a marathon, like especially endurance. Is like 
Um, if you're doing it like, for example, if you're doing like a three mile run, you can listen to your music and then just zone out with your music and then get done. You can still listen to your music on a long run, but at some point you don't hear it anymore because yeah. your brain is taking over and it's like, no, no, we got some <laughs> thoughts in here that's a lot louder than this fucking music <laughs> yeah. and it only happens in your long runs and then you're like, you're going to deal with this. And, and I remember feeling like, God, this is so therapeutic. I do really miss that about training, uh, for marathon and, and, um, just having to go through that. And then plus the other thing too, is like my creativity was always, it just seemed like it was way better. I think of stuff and I'd write it down or I'd pull out my phone and I'd write it in my notes or I'd tell Siri what the, what, Hey, blah, 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 blah you know, yeah. and I would do that kind of shit. Um, but since I don't, I haven't been training for endurance. I haven't, I, you know, I haven't had that. Every time I go, every once in a while, I'll take my dog for a super long walk and I'll get a little bit of that, but it's not the same. So I really understand that. <laughs> but it's yeah. so funny, like, you know, you think you're going to zone out with music. Oh, it's going to be, no, no. At some no. point, those demons in your brain are going to come out and they're going to start chirping and you're going to be like, whoa, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you're like, maybe I should address that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've had like the weirdest thoughts too on like long runs where you'll, you'll get a thought in your head and you're just like, no, no, let's explore this. Cause I can't stop thinking about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a, um, like when you're, I don't know, you're in one of those zones and you're thinking about something and your run is about to stop and you're on a training regiment and you're like, I shouldn't be go longer than this, but you want to keep going because you're in that thought process and you know, if you'll stop, you lose it. No, but I have been like deep inside my thoughts and like back in uh, like the woods and I'm not paying attention and I see the sign that says that I'm supposed to turn for Wildwood Trail and I don't turn. And then the next thing you know, I'm like looking at the sky, trying to figure out which way is north. And I'm oh like, oh my, my gosh, gosh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> especially like in Oregon when you're out in the woods and when you're in the woods, there is no, you're just in the woods. There's, you don't see anything. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And good luck getting like like cell phone signal to tell you like where you are on the trail or anything. Right. Yeah. Oh, this is like here. I you know, um, for me, I'm in Denver, and then um, the mountains are always the the Rockies are you can't mess them, right? And they're 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 always running north and south, so I could always kind of figure out where I'm at. And, <laughs> they are. <laughs> and then even if you are like in the woods, it's not nearly as dense as like it is in Oregon. So um, I forgot about that. So we used to go. I've been lost definitely more than time, uh, uh, countless times, especially when I lived in Bend and I would go out um, uh, west of town and I go either hiking or running or mountain biking or any of those things. I've been lost so many times. Yeah. Um, so I get that feeling. All right. So last segment of the show. So every segment we talk about, we um, we have a big audience of um, of emerging marketers and it's kind of like a, a theme of our show um so for you what is some advice that you would provide to a female who wants to start a career in marketing i think my advice would be um pay attention to who will give you their free time um and that means like there are people out there that 
will help you, that will mentor you, that will, you know, and it doesn't have to be like a regimented mentoring, like we meet every Thursday. Um, But there are people who will give you their time. um, And those people are normally who you can like shine your light with. And then, you know, they'll help you network with other people. Um, So don't think that just because, uh, you know, you can't find a mentor, there's are mentors that you just don't notice. Um, so just pay attention to who's going to give you time. And then also look up any like meetups that are like women in technology because um, they're all over. And that's where like recruiters come if they need to like, unfortunately, make that, you know, it has to be a woman in this position role or you're going to be their like diversity role, whatever. But it'll give you at least an idea of what's happening. Um, I have my whole separate rant about recruiters because I kind of personally hate them, but that's a different rant, <laughs> but they'll at least answer your questions. Um, they'll tell you what's out there. They'll tell you what the, you know, um, the qualifications are. And then the one thing that like, I hate the most is that for some odd reason, women tend to not apply for a job that they don't meet every single like qualification. And it's like, well, if you met every qualification on there, what are you going to learn? You're right. going to learn anything on that job. So why would you take that job? Good point. Very good. Right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So don't be afraid of that. Yeah, don't be afraid. That's 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 great advice. Um and and I'm trying to think like um so if you're a hermit and you're a female, don't be a hermit. You gotta get you gotta get uncomfortable, right? Like because I get uncomfortable. And it's it makes sense too, because this is marketing. You know, marketing's not you know hermit people shouldn't be in marketing anyway, but I'm because it's such a I don't know, it was such a big industry now that I'm sure there's plenty of hermits that are out there. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the other thing is too, look for nonprofits. 5013Cs. Did you know that if you have a 5013C license, you get ten thousand dollars PPC money from Google every month? What? Really? I am not kidding you. We do it for our, our film festival because we are a nonprofit. So nonprofits have budget to like let you sharpen your like career. Oh, if you're like, can okay. I volunteer for be your PPC person? They're like, is that my money? Oh, that's really cool. Now, yeah. hey, there's that's an inside note. I'm gonna write that down on the website too. Um, uh, when we when I share this episode on the post or on a on a blog post. Um, yes, I love that. Um, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. That's that makes so much sense because um, uh, Krill, my co-host, and I, we we do a lot of stuff of like, like we do a lot of internships examples, but how you can make your own experience because that's critical, right? Like, yeah, even an entry level job in marketing. They're going to want some sort of some sort of experience. Like even when I was hiring entry levels jobs, um, I'm looking like, yeah, that's great. You've never worked in marketing before, but what have you done? Like, what what can you relate to? And um, uh, I can think of a a guy that I hired um, that you know very well. He um, uh, he was a former basketball coach, and then he did all the recruiting for for his athletes. And he just showed me, he had a list of social media posts that he already had, like, and he had a, a, case, story, a case study with these social media posts and, and the, yeah. the success of them. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you get it. You totally get it. You've never <laughs> been in marketing. You totally get it. You, you know how to present a story. Not only did you, did you show your skill, but you know how to present a story and you're selling me on it, like, show me value and, and the return of, the, of that effort. So um, that's all stuff that he just did on his own. Um, yeah. To create his own experience, and of course, he got the job. So, um, 
yeah, creating your own experiences is, is critical and, and finding opportunities like that. That seems like a one I never even knew about is, is, um, yeah, that snippet or that, that $10,000 from Google. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And if you, if you have like your nonprofit license as well, you can get like free TurboTax. You can get free, wow. um, like Microsoft 360. Wow. It's crazy. I'll send you the links. Okay, cool. I um, uh, love to hear that. Anything you want to support? You want to um, uh, uh, talk about your film festival and what, where people could read more about that or anything else? Yeah, I mean, uh, our film festival is IdahoHorrorFilmFestival.org. Mm-hmm. We are a nonprofit. And uh, we do all online now. And we do screenings and we do um, cocktails and classics, which is where we show a classic and you make a cocktail that goes with it and have your own fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I hate horror films, though. <laughs> well, you can do it on your own, though. Like, go on Amazon and just find, like, Running Man or something. Something mm. that you know is aged horribly right. and then make a cocktail and just make fun of it. Oh, great. Wow, that sounds that sounds easy enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Kristen, I loved having you on. Anytime I get to talk to you, it's a pleasure for me. Um, yeah. uh, we should do more of this, even if it's not on a pod. And um, I have a little bit of beer left. So um, I'm a chug and bounce. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone.